0: This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Grace Gordon, actress and activist, and I am so happy to be here today with my best friend, the phenomenal writer and actor and movement artist, Athena Reddy. Hi, Athena. Hello. 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 I'm still here. (laughs) Um, Athena uses they them pronouns and has been on the show before. You might uh, recognize their voice from our episode with Nick Grant talking about how to support your artist friends. So Athena is here today because, well, besides that they're my best friend in the world, and we make art yes, together prolifically. <laughs> <laughs> and so you should always be here. Um, yeah, wow, you, I'm always here. <laughs> you're always you're always in every episode. Actually, you're just you're, less, you're just you're just <laughs> present for the recording. You're yeah. never free of me. <laughs> um, uh, Athena has recently started teaching movement classes again, which has been amazing. I've been to every one of them so far, and I'm just. Uh, really benefiting from them. So I said, hey, will you come back onto the show and uh, and talk about this, talk about movement for artists and all of its benefits. So before we get into our uh, episode topic, of course, I have to ask you, Athena, how is your art life? Um, I have, I just found
1: a little shaker egg on the desk. (laughs) Woo. Yeah. Solid. This is
0: the first time someone's answered that question with like a musical, musical answer.
1: I am this shaker egg. I was throwing away all of this. I, my my so my art life is. I was throwing away all of this bullshit Easter <laughs> stuff that was left over because um, my roommate loves Easter and and had a very huge party. And it's been months, and we've just had like stuff for kids everywhere, like the stuff that comes in the eggs. And uh, I I kept a lot of play doh from for kids. And we had to, we had a, a, an insane amount of stuff. So I was like going through it because we're selling the house. We have to get rid of stuff. So I was recycling the plastic Easter stuff and then I found the this shaker egg and I've just been like do, do. Be, de, 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 de. like that's been my it's been that's been my 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 day has
0: been once that. again yeah. no one's ever answered this question with a musical interlude and I'm just I'm so excited that you're the first The bar is high, everyone. The bar is high. Yeah, guests will now be expected to create art in response to the question: "How is your art life?"
1: Yeah, I just want somebody to. I just. I would love someone to kind of like burst out with an extremely aggressive song, like just start screaming, like you know, just sort of. I'm not okay. Oh no! No. 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 I've been practicing my metal,
0: my metal voice. Do you like it? <laughs> I, I love it. It's fantastic. It's it's great. I sound like I've been practicing my metal voice because I'm sick. <laughs> so <laughs> you I sound just... you sound sexy. No, you were saying oh, thank it's you. sultry, thank and you. I agree. Yeah, yeah I heart, would keep heart his heartache. voice. Yeah, I had, I, like
1: I, I had it's like you don't have you don't have your head voice. You just have up mm-hmm. to the top of your chest voice. So you just have to concentrate like within within your chest, within the low area, because it's just not, it's not traveling too mm. far right now. So it's very... <laughs> <laughs> always like well. whenever I have a cold, I'm always like testing to see if my head voice comes back and I'm paranoid mm-hmm. the whole time. I'm just like, Ooh, oh no, Ooh, it's not back. It's not back. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, yeah. You've taught me a lot of good vocal techniques over the years because we've worked on some audio projects together. And so I got a lot more conscious of protecting my voice because of all the things that you taught me over the years. So yeah. on, that, on that note, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you recently started doing virtual classes again, and I was so happy when you told me you're going to do that because it's become like my, my goal for the summer, some things we've talked about privately to help me get back into my body and and uh, work work out a couple kinks, set a couple movement related goals, and I just I feel so good after every one of your classes. So I said to you this week, like, hey, will you just come on the show so we can talk about this? Because I'd love to talk about how good you, you feel. Yeah, can we talk about how good I feel? Um, no, I mean I've talked for a second. ton on this. Yeah, <laughs> I've talked a ton on this show about you know my own complicated relationship with like movement and exercise like I've been very open about my own history of having an eating disorder and like how you know I had to learn to get comfortable with movement and like talked to even some of the teachers who really helped me and it's been cool to be open about all of that but I'm just so excited that you're teaching again because it's just so it just feels so good like I already said so (laughs) I mean I guess I mean I guess the first thing I wanted to ask you today was like what inspired you to start teaching again?
1: So uh, I have a big movement background, which I guess we'll get to in a minute. Um, But I realized that my education and my experience were like a huge privilege and that I could Mm -hmm. very easily share that with the internet. Um, And in a lot of ways, it's a privilege because I just kind of like, I just kind of fell into circumstances where I was being supported to learn this stuff. Like I, when I got my master's and I was in conservatory, I had a benefactor. I had somebody help me pay for my yoga teacher training. I grew up doing gymnastics. Like there's a ton of stuff that circles around me and being movement artist. and like had people help me out with getting my stage combat certifications, whatever it was, I've always had help. And I just want to, um, put information out there because everything I know is just information and practice. And so I was certified to teach yoga prior to COVID, like right before COVID. So I really didn't get that much of a chance, but the, the chance that I got with yoga, I was actually just, I didn't really fit into the yoga and fitness world. There's a lot of like fitness kind of stuff going on, Mm -hmm. even that crosses over into the yoga world. And I don't really fit in there. My background you know, I'm I'm a lot freer. I have a background in free movement and Alexander technique and a lot of acting stuff. And I'm really more interested in getting people into their bodies than doing too much of a rigid practice. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I at the beginning of COVID, I was like, Oh, I really want to teach yoga online. I just at the time, I didn't have the space or couldn't figure out my setup. And I hadn't become super confident. I had t- taught a couple of workshops, I had, you know, done my 200 hour yoga teacher training. And I was teaching, I I was one-on-one coaching actors who, you know, either were preparing a role or preparing to audition to get into master's programs. And so a lot of my teaching experience comes from from one-on-one teaching actors. I love that. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff I do with actors is, you know, embodied voice and like embodying the texts and that kind of thing. And so That crosses over with my yoga stuff and crosses over with Laban movement, and like I, I have all of these things I've learned, and I know where the middle of that Venn diagram is. Like I know what yoga has in common with Alexander technique, and I know what you know. I know how Alexander technique can lend to a myriad of things, and I can see. You know, I can see LeBan technique and things. So, like, I've developed my own way of teaching. That's like a myriad of things. Um, and I, I, I guess, it was kind of percolating during COVID um, because I was practicing bouteau a lot and I was doing a lot of yoga. And at a certain point, I was just like, okay, I feel confident enough to share to share stuff. And I, I at one point, I tried to do like a, a movement meditation um, thing. That was like going to be a podcast, but then I kind of couldn't keep on top of it. And I just really like, I really like people actually being there and me answering their questions and, Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess developing a lot of my stuff in isolation made me realize that I just have all this training and experience from a lot of angles and I'm just interested in giving people information about improving their movement in life and not just like doing an exercise or like, I'm going to go, do, go do, do the exercise class. But like my classes are a lot more about, you know, t- taking all these things and being able to apply it to any movements you do during your day just to improve daily life. And I realized that, you know, there, there weren't a lot of people out there doing it. I know other teachers in the similar area but I think in my circle, it was like everybody is sort of like either kind of a hardcore yoga teacher or a Pilates teacher. And there's and I love yoga and Pilates. I'm obviously I obviously do both of them and I'm a trained yoga teacher. But I think there's a crossover in like I want to make my body look snatched or like yeah. I, there's a body image thing going on Oh, with those. way
0: too much. Way yeah. both of them have been overridden and- with that.
1: Even though, even though once you get into the practice and if you have the right teacher and you have the right space, you're, you're really getting inside of yourself and learning a lot of things, but the environments or the way, you know, they try to sell the classes to people or even the videos, certain people have, they don't feel inclusive. There are some great ones, obviously that are <clears throat> now I'm having a throat. Um, <laughs> I got you sick
0: from across the country. <laughs> oh my
1: God. You put the illness in the wires and microphones.
0: <laughs> The Wi Fi.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, it's just I really wanted to teach again, because I just I feel like I come at it with a unique perspective. I'm an abstract thinker, I think about bodies in an abstract way. Um, And my my teaching is called the body abstract because I don't want people to think about their bodies from the outside, um, from the image of their last selfie, you know, from Mm. comparing themselves to what a teacher looks like, comparing themselves to the white lady in yoga leggings on the fucking poster. You know, like like I my classes are about getting inside and building a foundational practice where you know yourself, you know, the language between your mind, body and how that works, that you can listen to that. Um, yeah. And then just being able to use that foundational thing to maybe you do go to say, oh, like a personal trainer, weightlifting person. The stuff you learn in my class gives you a, a deeper sense of of what where your limits are and where mm-hmm. where your body needs more and also how to listen to yourself. So I'm really obsessed with longevity in a world where people are kind of burning themselves out. <laughs> um, yeah. But I I really wanted to, like, I feel like because my partner and I are moving to L.A., I'm feeling like I really want to teach people in person again because I've developed my stuff. So I was like, I'm going to jump into going online. And it's been really great so far just to talk to people and, you know, keep my blog about my perspective on, you know, bodies and having an experience within a body. So, yeah.
0: Well, first of all, what a beautiful answer. I just want to say, like, that you recognize that you've had all of this education and that in in some instances you've been gifted some of this education and that you know, you can help people and you just want to share it. Yeah.
1: It's so random, you know, it's, it's, well, it's just like so random who gets the, the information and who gets the privilege of the time to fucking work on it and learn it and practice it. Right. Like, and I think that the dissemination of knowledge and like support from teachers and encouragement to find times to do these things can, you know, can educate people on a, a larger, you know, in a bigger way, you know? And I just, it's knowledge sharing, you know, you gotta do it. Knowledge is not like, should not be kept behind a paywall. <laughs> like that's my my, my classes. I have a lot of donation based classes and I'm like really willing to just work with people with what they have, I I want people to come at it in
0: the right way, you know. Absolutely, without and pressure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like it. I mean, even as a as a friend who's benefiting from the classes, like it feels good for me to be able to share it with people and say like, Hey, you should join me for this movement class. Like I'm there, you know, three times a week, and it's donation based. So, like, yeah, I'm much more interested free. in people
1: building a practice. <laughs> like yeah. building a practice and like do maybe doing parts of the practice on their own and then maybe coming three times a week or coming once a week or you know coming a couple times a month i i i think that it's important for me right now to keep it donation based as much as possible cuz i'm going to practice it anyway like right. me I'm going to practice it anyway and I can actually get a lot from it while I talk, while I practice. So why not turn the camera on and let people ask me questions and ask for requests and share the information, you know? I mean, I'm so used to practicing in in a group, in a group setting. Like my yoga teacher training, I did the 200-hour yoga teacher training and it I did it in 1 month, so I did a really intensive version of it, and I was just you know, obviously most people who practice yoga are used to practicing in a group, in a group. And you know, some people do solo stuff, but I haven't had that, that group. And also like mm-hmm. a conservatory doing all the different kind of movement classes I did. I'm used to practicing in a group where there are tons of different bodies, where everyone is learning how to stay, stay in their own lane and like respect their own progress and kind of learn about each other and celebrate each other. Like When you practice in a group, you learn stuff about like, oh, that that woman has um, scoliosis and she really knows a lot about her back or, you know, and she has information. And that gives me this this perspective. I really just love meeting a lot of different people with a lot of different bodies, you know, like who have different um, experiences in their body Um, and just seeing if anything I have to say uh,
0: helps them tap into that, you know you mentioned quite a different like places that you got training from uh over the years and i'm wondering like when did movement become a key part of your art was it always this way is this something that you came into in adulthood training in school and conservatory
1: well yeah i would say it was always this way so for me sound and touch are two of my senses that are kind of in overdrive like like, um, hearing and touch are just very, very heightened for me. So ever since I was little, I just, i I can really feel music and I auto dance to it. I auto make sounds to it ever since I was very small. Um, and I never stopped doing that. Um, and then, so I had, when I was very small, I had a problem with my hip and I won't really get into the details of it, but it required that I went to several doctors who are giving my, my parents several options. And the, the, Well, it was both hips, really. The anatomical issue with them was just um, it was making me walk weird, essentially, like I wasn't in pain and I wasn't um, and I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't in pain and I wasn't even being made fun of at school or anything. I just walked. I walked very pigeon toed and and it was coming from the hip. And so I was lucky enough that my parents had insurance and they took me to a doctor who were like, we're going to break your kids hips and we're going to reset it. And then my mom was like, no. Oh <laughs> like God. like you know if they're not in pain it's okay. So then my mom got a second opinion and the second doctor was like no, it's aesthetic. We don't need to break this kid's hips and reset them. It's aesthetic. Like you could go to physical therapy so that they might have more um Range in the hips, in that in that joint, in the ball and socket joint, and you could learn how to use the muscles a little differently. But we don't need to do anything. You know, it's it's just aesthetic. And so I was a really little kid. I was like five or six, and so I was being presented with these sort of options and listening to all of the adults. And I ended up going to physical therapy for quite a while for like a very specific thing at a very young age. And I was given a lot of um, exercises to do at home that I, that I was supposed to do all the time. And then at the end of my run of physical therapy, they recommended I get into like dance or gymnastics, and I went to the da- uh, a ballet place, but I didn't really like. Well, I'm non-binary, and I had a really weird relationship with the the costumes, and yeah, I guess I had a course. sense for the like the sexualization. <laughs> like, I don't know, I had some kind of sense for that. But then I ended up doing gymnastics because it like people were throwing themselves in the air and doing and doing flips. Both of my parents are phys ed teachers and coaches, and and I have a lot of siblings who are athletes. And so I just was in a, from a real, I'm a, from a really physical stock. I'm from a yes. really physical, um, people. So, you know, my, my mom, my mom was kind of amazing in the way that she taught, she taught very small children, phys ed. And she had, she, she did, she had this record that was like produced by Sesame street or something like that. And it was like, Whenever it was like a really hot day, she would just like it was a, it had a song on it where she would have me lay down on the ground and breathe with it, and she's like, "This is what we do when it's too hot in the gym, and we think the little kids they might get heat stroke or something." So I was oh a little god. kid, and like so, she would play this record, and it was a record. We had a record player. I'm 36, but like my mom was like super old school with this record. She just I've like never did heard it this to story
0: before. Oh my god,
1: yeah. So so the song went, "Breathe in." high as a mountain and breathe out you know it was like you would just lay there and you would breathe and that was like that was like my mom's approach was very interesting because she so my dad was more of like a like coached football, you know, really yeah. into baseball, like coached women's basketball, re- like that was his area. And he he was an athletic administrator at the school I went to. But my mom taught at a school um, that was in another school district that was in an area where a lot of um, kids had uh parents who were incarcerated and the and it was a community that like a lot of kids came to school earlier or stayed later and my mom set up programs for them we would like figure out how to get them sneakers so they could participate in gym class and stuff they were just that was just like part of her job was much more caretaking Mm -hmm. and she was working with small 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 people you know very small people all the time and and she was very sensitive to the fact that like you know say some kids didn't like the sound of a loud whistle so she had like this like like this um, this hootier sort of train whistle, like who like a, you know, like a wooden train whistle instead of like a a searing a searing gym whistle. So um, I think that she she deeply comes from this place of care in conjunction with like a curiosity of anatomy and stuff. And my dad is like a technique obsessed coach guy. So. I, I think I started playing softball when I was like six or seven and um, we, we would get in the zone of, of him teaching me batting technique and I was like super obsessed with like lining up my knuckles and my stance and everything. Uh, we had this great sort of obsessive mind together on like sorting it out, and and he was really into teaching me all of the swimming strokes. So if we were at a pool or something, like I know butterfly and breaststroke, and he I just really like technique as well. I I, mm. I really I really I'm as cerebral as I am physical. Um So both of my parents like I was in this environment where this was just very very regular, and this was very very um encouraged. You know, there's just a lot of athletes in the household, and you know, I understood training, recovery, all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I was an artist. So, I mean, I I liked to express myself through my body. It was like a lot more I would lock myself in a room for a long time and listen to the record, you know, the same fucking CD over and over again, um, and stuff like that. Like finding music and finding music in my body and I sang and I play clarinet and guitar and I feel music very much um, in my body and you know, I, I was a musician. I am a musician. Um, but I was from a very early age and it's something that's very, very felt. It's something that's very physical and and very felt. I, I feel like I wasn't interested in, like I said, like like dancing and dance culture when I was a kid because it was this like hyper feminized kind of like kind of sexualized thing, like Mm -hmm. weirdly for young girls. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wasn't into that, but I liked to dance. Like I liked, I liked to dance, but I was, you know, on the gymnastics team, but I was really tall, really fast. And I didn't, you know, gather my muscles kind of in the right way, but it was also like the competition of it wasn't, I didn't love that part. I loved like, I competed on floor routine and beam. I liked expressing myself. Like I liked those moments where you could find the self-expression and then in community college, I discovered fencing and stage combat and modern dance. And that was like really, really freeing. I was like, oh, yes, you express yourself in all of these ways. I was in some plays in in high school and stuff, but I wasn't like a drama kid. I was in the film department. So like I was more I, I was a musician and I and I took photos and made little films. And so I was um, the, I guess the culture of the drama kids were was intimidating because I feel like a lot of them had. Um, they could dance good, <laughs> like, like. Um, but then, yeah. So I discovered fencing and stage combat, and I like. I never stopped. When I was eighteen, I took my first stage combat class, and I was like, Oh yeah, I get this. I get this. This is like dancing, but we're 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 pretending that it's violence. And um, I think, <laughs> I think that's also. And I like the illusion quality of action stuff. But um, around that age, I also discovered Alexander Technique, and later on. You know, right after that, I got a lot of experience with full body puppeteering. I was in a show that required full body puppeteering, like a la War Horse style, like the Handspring Puppet Company was a very Mm -hmm. big inspiration for the piece that I did. And um, again, like just kind of like really into anatomy and how parts work. And um, and I got really into Grotowski method around then. And then, of course, I was, I, you know, I was modeling and experiencing myself from the outside, too. Like, you understand you're a model, so you have to, yeah. like, look at photos of yourself very often. And it's weird and it, it's disembodied. So I was having that experience as well. Like, just sort of the the heightened social pressure of, like, living your brand in the photo or being right. able to, like, sell this item or wear this outfit. So it's a lot of thinking about myself from the outside, and thinking about shapes and the shapes body could make, the shapes body could make, and um, like all the photos and the visual stuff. That's both helpful and difficult in a lot of ways. Like you know, you can really learn a lot. Like it's amazing to be part of image construction and and being part being a model and like having all that come together. But it's also what it feels like inside of your body versus what you're looking at outside can be like a really it can be really mind fucky which i think everyone goes through with like needing to go to zoom meetings and and um totally. taking selfies and stuff like that
0: totally <laughs> yeah
1: and but one of the best things about modeling for me is that i for a, a long term amount of time in my early mid 20s i worked with two sculptors for a while and they were, one of them had like an apprentice and he was like talking about the different parts of the body. And he, like, I would be like posing, you know, and it's hard to stay still, right? Like, and it's hard even when you're doing like a, like a 20 minute, like 20 minutes is crazy, but like you learn how hard that, you know, art posing is like after three minutes, you're like, oh fuck, I shouldn't put my arm up. Like, (laughs) "Why, why did I give them this option? Um, but but I worked with these two sculptors fairly long term and I got to sort of see, listen to how they were constructing the body while mm. also having this weird experience of my own inside of it. Um, and then later on, I finally I went to do my master's at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre School and I did tons of deep work with embodied voice. So I did a lot about like movement and moving, how moving relates to the voice. And I went deeper into Linklater method um, and I discovered LeBan movement technique which is has all these textures in it and i still use it to build characters i love how abstract that method is so i did so much at school and i did i did animal studies where i like i went to the zoo and i watched a snake for two hours and then i tried my best to be a snake and then i uh, in, in the most abstract way. And then I deconstructed that till it felt like a person who just had some snake-like qualities. So that dial between doing the extreme abstract thing and then dialing it down, dialing it down till it's a real person, but the snake remains. Mm-hmm. <laughs> During my master's, we also did period dance, Pilates, more stage combat, more stage combat. I mean, I was extremely lucky, like I said. And then um, when I came back to the States, I got that's when I got really deeply into yoga and butoh. And I found Alkistis Demek's work, and I started working with Vangeline, who's a Buteau teacher in New York, um, which is a, a very like a dark dance form. It's really hard to explain, but it's a very deconstructed. You're kind of in your parasympathetic nervous system, deep dance movement form yeah and then after that I did yoga teacher training and after that I just kind of consider myself a movement artist in a very big way it seems like a foundational part of who I am and I just I approach all my work in this very like from the body way like no matter what I'm doing so that is the answer to your question
0: (laughs) So you grew up in this household of like athletes and, and physical education teachers and coaches and then you were able to incorporate, you know, a lot of that from a young age into your art and into your training. But, I'm you know, because you focus more on artists, I'm wondering what your favorite thing is about doing movement coaching for artists specifically.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I love watching people free up and start to trust themselves and trust their bodies to be responsive to the space and responsive to the moment. Like, I I love it, especially with actors. Like, seeing somebody get into a place of being able to put their attention on things instead of forcing results. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really starts in a lot of ways with, like, being able to do that moment to moment in your regular life, like get away from the forcing of the results and being able to listen to your body. And the better you listen to your body, the better you can pick up things from the environment and the more real you are in that space. And I really love seeing that click for actors. Mm -hmm. You know, you know it when you see it and it's just kind of awesome. Like um, I was coaching someone, I was coaching Andrew, you know, Andrew. Mm -hmm. And He's a delight, delightful actor. He just finished his masters at Lambda in London. But when he was prepping for that, I was working with him on his audition piece, and he—he's very cerebral person. So you know, he gets stuck in his own head, like so many actors say, "I'm stuck in my head." It's like, okay, <laughs> like yeah, everyone, everyone is it's fine. So one of the things that was really interesting is that I know he does like a a bomb ass Keanu Reeves impression and and, like I was watching him work so hard on the text of of the piece he was doing I think he was doing Romeo actually and so I was like can you do it like Keanu can you just forget everything that you're doing and just do it like Keanu and like we got into this like young bouncy Keanu zone where Mm you are using this quality of bouncing along with the words so you know (laughs) and Julia is the sun you know like and so this young down bounce sort of joyous Keanu we brought in there and then I had him go back and forth between you know Keanu physicality and himself and Keanu physicality himself and like the reason you know I I noticed the reason why he like has a lot of fun doing the Keanu impression is because he's good at it and because that's a part of him and so we found that bounciness and we found moments of humor and stuff like that and I love working with people who are like mixing areas in order to create character right like and that's Laban as well. Laban is like there are different textures in it. So there's slash and you can like learn your lines through slashing your arms and your body through the air. And then there's dab and you can sort of figure out what, dab is. And so they have all these textures. And a lot of times when I prepare a piece, I just pick two random Laban textures and I just try them out on the piece. And then I see how it makes it in there. And it's a a really wonderful abstract way to do it because you get to do this fun over the top kind of weird thing where you're like, I'm doing this one all as pushing, you know, and you do that motion with your body. It produces something different with your voice. And I love finding that with actors and then being like, okay, now let all that go and, and see what sticks. Just notice how you're feeling and see what sticks. And what's really neat about that, I think, specifically, is that it gets people to, to explore all these textures that they hadn't thought of before because they were being very cerebral and very results-oriented or they were being very obsessed with the text in this, like, more cerebral way. And it pops them out into their bodies. That The way their bodies are moving affects their voice a lot differently. And then they've seen that the map of, you know, or the, the toolbox of the things that are available to them are is much bigger than they th- thought it was. And so it's just, I really, really love that. Seeing actors get unstuck. And um, like on on um, the film that we did, I, I, I coached you a little bit, not as much as I wanted to, but also I coached Dawson, who was playing the creature. Mm-hmm. And so that was different than, say, like, for example, the way that I coach people like Andrew, who were like, we're just in a studio and he's going to go do that stuff live. I was on set with you and I was on set with Dawson, who played like basically a creature man. And you know, I'm doing two very different jobs there with you. Right. I'm we we're, were getting a moment of pure terror that we wanted you to embody and we wanted to get you to really, really give over in this way. And we were also just practically making sure that you fell over in a safe mm-hmm. way. So that's like one area. But then what I was doing with Dawson and I wish I would have had more time with him too, but he was completely brilliant. And and I'm I'm so excited people to see the film but I was building a movement language with him so we were like okay here's this creature where is it from it's a movie monster how does it work how does it sense things how does it touch and so just we were just answering those questions and trying things out and having that open that open sort of playfulness about that and and discovering together and being and finding a movement language where it's like oh you know when it when it
0: listens it puts its hand up and so we we create that language you sometimes coach actors on on a set like you you know and you were also mm-hmm. acting in that project but i'm wondering yeah. is just an observer, as an audience member sometimes, do you, do you watch performances, you go see a movie, maybe that's very physical, or there's a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Do you watch performances and do you see where someone could have benefited from more movement training? Or a movement coach. Like is that a yeah, thought all, you have? Sometimes? All the time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my
1: Alexander teacher always is like, Oh, I, I wish that person could get in here and I would teach them to think about their head in relation to their body. And I would, <laughs> you know, and, cause he he'll be like, They were brilliant, but mm-hmm. they could have even been brillianter. He's amazing. But um, yeah, so I do all the time too. I think I can notice when screen actors think they're just a head and like a lot mm. of rigidity comes not that in the rest of their bodies. So, um, you know, learning how to act in a close up is really, really hard. You have a very small area that you're able to move in. So it's it is it is hard. You're balancing this sort of like I actually know that there that my face is taking up most of the screen. But like you can also tell when people have just forgotten about the rest of their body, like your body is still there. You're still going through the, the thing. And I think that I kind of notice when screen actors end up just being a head that a body follows (laughs) along with them. Yeah. I also have this thing where like I can see when people's clothing doesn't feel like it belongs to them. Like, there's a sensory thing with objects and clothing and interaction with objects that I notice. Like, I feel like it's really important for actors to do the work of, like, just doing a couple of extra thoughts of, like, when did they buy that shirt? Or, you know, if there's something in their environment, like, if I'm going to put on lotion, it has to feel like the props person just didn't give me lotion. Like, you have to take it a step further, I think, and be interacting with your reality in a way that has familiarity and I think that very much comes from touch and noticing and really being able to live in your environment live in your clothes like I hate it when something just feels like this looks like a costume that someone chose instead of like this person wears this and that's how this works and they work with it and having that little bit of storied bit I think makes a, a lot of difference also I think I watch people kind of posture within tropes rather than finding the way they do it. You know, there are certain like positions and like swaggery specific ways where people will be like, this is a badass stance. Like, this is how a badass does this, right? And maybe they're amazing and it's great. But really, what would have been more interesting and cooler would have been that person not projecting their idea of badass onto their own body and fulfilling that, but really just using a shade of that inspiration and using their own idiosyncratic movement that they could be comfortable with. um, That's way more badass, right? Like that gives a secondary texture and you can see people, you know, hitting poses. And if it's, and if hitting a pose is not done for camp value or stylistic reasons, then it's just like that the actor really didn't find their own body, their own way to do it and just projected another thing from memory. Yeah. Mm. So great performances have an inner movement and an outer movement. And it comes from noticing things in the environment and noticing things about what you're actually feeling and being yeah. okay with how your own body moves. You know, I'm being cool with being surprised when that comes up. And I think it's hard just like, especially on, on screen for me, it's hard to stay in your own zone as an actor totally. where, you know, you, you can have spontaneity and freedom within yourself because everyone around you is doing jobs that are like very, this is either right or wrong. Like either this light is going to be turned on or turned off. And everyone's really like high stakes technical around you. And so to be able to retain that connection with yourself, to move freely within yourself, to be okay, making your own mistakes into choices, like making your mistakes into character mistakes. And like Mm. having that real freedom requires this familiarity with the way you do things, the way you adapt to a mistake, the way your body feels, you know, you need to be able to move within yourself very
0: freely i think to do well it was so while you were saying this thing about you know screen actors can sometimes become talking heads and not be connected my first thought was like well i think maybe it's just my own fears of technology and social media which are great um but i'm like i feel like people have are becoming that in daily life too
1: Well, absolutely. I think that that's why I really want to teach the way that I teach. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's in a Zoom meeting. Everyone is thinking about themselves as like a flat front two dimensional being. Yeah. Everyone, you know, is results oriented. in as far as like, oh, I'm going to take this picture with my partner and it's going to be 2D and people are going to see it on Instagram. And I have all of these standards of looking at myself from the outside, but I'm not even looking from, myself at the, from the outside in a cool way. Like when I was working with that sculptor, mm. I'm looking at myself from the outside in a way that that takes a lot of other people's opinions into my mind. And mm-hmm. that can be rigid making. And, and in addition to that, I'm not even taking myself in as the 3D person that I am. I think so many people are, yeah, that talking heads thing. It's like from sort of like chest level mid shot, we're all like really really seeing each other like in that zone with 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 the internet and and everything like that
0: so the thing I was most wait go ahead
1: no I thought no I'm just an idiot like I thought you were gonna say when I heard you say talking heads I thought you were gonna be like psycho killer (laughs) 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 burning down the house (laughs) okay Uh
0: I was this, when I was started preparing questions for this. I came up with a question I was most excited to ask you. We talk about acting all the time. We've talked about acting, obviously, in this interview quite a lot. But I'm wondering if you have specific movement practices that you think of that would benefit specific kinds of artists. So like outside of just actors, like when you are constructing a movement routine or when you're thinking about a movement routine, is there something that you're like, oh, this would be particularly good for writers or this movement practice would be great for singers? Since you love working with artists, is that ever a way that you approach routine building?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, first of all, you have to build a routine that you're gonna do, Mm -hmm. right? Like, (laughs) That's the most important part. when I talk to someone one on one, I just ask them what they need and people know what they need and I know anatomy and I know all I know all these little tricks, you know? So like if something is hurting or feeling stiff or tight or numb or whatever um, and then that, that those things can arise from habitual movement, say from seat seat being seated all the time if you're a writer being or maybe you're holding something somewhere while you're singing and or my hand feels weird because guitar and how can we find some freedom because you're doing the same habitual movement over and over and over again and maybe some other maybe some other muscles some other flexibility some other strengthening some surrounding supporting things are going to help that. So I do take it person by person in in that way but I think like across the board for me like Alexander technique is for everyone and I would I'm going to make a reading list on
0: my website but I would highly oh, recommend the wonderful I would love, let me know when you do. I want to link to it. I will. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: I'll do it before the episode comes out so that you can put, you know, you can put it there for people, but um, reach your dreams by uh, Donald weed. And he is the founder of interactive teacher method, Alexander technique. And um, I think it's his first book. It's the only one I read. I've done interactive teacher method as a student. And it's like, and it's like a huge part of the way that I do everything. But it's a great book to give you sort of a a different perspective on how your thinking and movement can be in conversation. And it's a really great foundation, I think, for for so many people. But in a lot of Alexander classes, especially... So ITM, uh, Interactive Teacher Method, what they do is tons of different people come. A lot of times it's at music schools and acting schools and stuff like that. But sometimes they'll, you know, there'll be Alexander Technique things just for anyone. So what you do in ITM is that you bring an activity to class and the teacher makes a little bit adjustments. And then there's this dialogue where they talk to you and also the people watching are in conversation with you. So it's actually really actively, we're all kind of talking about the things. So like, like one day I was like, hey, I, this is the backpack I carry. My activity is wearing my backpack and walking across the room. And so sometimes the teacher does hands-on adjustments and um, is able to, from that I learned how many of our muscles we recruit to do activities that we think we need those for, but we don't. Mm. Or like, you know, and that's really where I came um, in with, like I often talk about in my classes, like there's a blueprint of the way that you do things that's based on the last way that you did it or the first way that you did it. And if you're not assessing the present circumstances internally and externally, you're not going to adjust to this moment. Like the blueprint is super important. Like the way that you learned to do it and the way that you last did it is super important. But a lot of times people are just like running off of that blueprint instead of using the sensory data they have at present. And a lot of people have like built up habitual tension or overuse of certain muscles because they're just doing the same thing over and over again without rechecking in. And there are just like these little tweaks in ITM. They're so good. I was one time I brought my guitar to an ITM class and my teacher just wanted to like, so I was just playing play in a song and he just, he kind of like moved me in a couple of different positions and, you know, um, to, like can I still sing and play? Can I still sing and play? And we we're moving me around and moving me around, and like I had been a little bit rigid at the beginning, but like is really cool. Like Alexander Technique's really cool, and it has taught me that things are not about posture or hitting postures. That the body is moving all of the time, and it's not a matter of it like looking like the idea of posture or pose from the outside. It's really just about like how much movement can I get here, and like like I was playing a character who had to sort of be hunched over and so that's not optimal for like voice you know I was like a climbing person (laughs) I was like a squatting climbing person and you know it's not an optimal like position for the voice whatever it is but you can you can move you can you can find optimal positions within things and I think If you can get into an ITM class or come to one of my classes, which have a lot of ITM-inspired moments of them, like, it's so good for everyone. Like, musicians, actors get so much out of it. But, like, I give this type of adjustments and stuff to my partner who, when he's doing carpentry on a job. There are other kinds of Alexander Technique that focus on more on anatomy and about learning about, like, more specifically about your head and body relationship. And I would say that... Those are awesome as well, like being able to learn about your anatomy, the actual anatomy that you're using to sing or sit or write or whatever. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's like there are so many people. I think also Pilates and yoga are obviously really great, even though they have some of the fitness culture stuff looped in. Um, But if you can get a video that isn't too abrasive (laughs) or you can find a good teacher I just think it's so good for people who sit down a lot, like writers and animators. My partner does a lot of digital art, and I've given him a lot of tips about that, like just sitting there. The cue in Alexander Technique and ITM is think about your head in relation to your body. Just think about it. Don't do anything. And that starts this kind of cycle of understanding where you are in space. And um, yeah, so so uh, I would say get up and move if you sit around a lot, but uh Getting into the idea of listening to your body while it's doing the things you normally do Mm -hmm. or noticing, just being able to be an observer and thinking, I've always done it this way. Is there another way to do it? Or can you listen to parts of your body that like aren't participating or, you know, that sort of thing?
0: Yeah. I, I, I mentioned to you earlier this week, even since I was showing up to your classes consistently, that I was just more aware in general throughout my day. Like I, I noticed myself noticing uh, that I could that's, lift that's my huge. chest that's and big. open up. It was big. I was like, oh wow, yeah. okay, I'm having much, so much more body awareness. I'm able to make these tiny little adjustments throughout the day, and mm-hmm. and then I can right notice myself noticing and feel proud of myself that something's yeah, shifting. Totally.
1: It's really nice, isn't it? Yeah. It's just sort of like you learn these little tips and tricks and tweaks. And I was also doing um, a lot of like a lot of stuff to like learn about how your hips move in my classes with you. And when your brother came and we were we were um, sort of just exploring the range of motion of the hips that and I, you know, even just me bringing in reminding you of what the anatomy is like there. Like mm-hmm. you can go think about that and that'll stick with you because you're using your hips all the time. And that information is important. <laughs>
0: like- yeah. And my, for people who don't, who don't know me personally, my brother's an, an athlete. He, he's in uh, college and doing a lot of college sports and You know, he was able to come to these movement to two movement classes and immediately tell you like his concerns about his hips and his range of motion Mm -hmm. with his hips. Like he he came ready with that and he felt so good just working on that with you because he doesn't normally do that in lacrosse training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's a big difference between like going to do sports versus Doing a foundational movement practice that's a, that's supposed to get you to do longevity, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because people just break their bodies on like broad movements in sports. But if they get all this extra little information and self awareness, they do so much better at the sport. They can have a lot more longevity. They can have a lot more sensitivity to where their strengths and limits are that day. And that sort of being able to listen is a is a huge
0: a huge boon, you know. Yeah. But, so do you have your own movement routine that you do every day and also like how has it changed over the years?
1: It's just gotten I'm it's just gotten more and more subtle honestly like Ooh. um cuz I mean I started out like doing sports as a kid and right. like doing gymnastics and you know obviously there's a lot of conditioning in gymnastics strength conditioning flexibility conditioning all of that kind of stuff but there's really not or there wasn't when I was younger, some kind of like prescribed kind of like, um, restoration. There wasn't like, a a parasympathetic nervous system restoration, or yin yoga, like there wasn't, we didn't have any instruction on how to recover. Um, so in a lot of sports, uh, gymnastics is a big one like that. It's just like throwing yourself around. Now I really differentiate like I still really like skating, like rollerblading and roller skating, and I I like hiking, and sometimes I go shoot hoops because I like the basketball.
0: Can you just say shoot hoops one more
1: time for me? uh, I go in the shoot hoops. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Love to go to the park and shoot a few hoops. (laughs) It's very fancy of you. Oh,
1: yes. I do it in my rough. (laughs) And a tailcoat. Of course. Yeah. But those activities, like those uh, gross muscle movements, large muscle movements, um, like sports and stuff like that, those are in one category. And what I want to do in my life is always be ready to do those real good on the days I feel like doing them. So I'm not like, I'm going to go shoot hoops every day. Like (laughs) what I do do every day is that I put attention on each of my body parts and I breathe into them from feet to head. And then from head to feet and I, you know, like we did in class, you inhale into the area that you want to put your attention on and then you exhale to receive information from that area and you're starting to build up that ability to feel and receive sensory information. You know, so I do that every day. And then I also aliven my skin every day. So I like will pat myself and like scratch myself lightly and scratch my head lightly. And I'm just making sure that my skin is very alive. I just wrote a a blog about skin as a sensory organ and, and using it in practice. So I do that every day. I do um, a check-in with my spine every day. So I do like a spinal roll down and roll up and just, you know, checking in with my spine. And I do um, every day, we all do this every day. It's a thing called pandiculation where you're yawning and you're stretching at the same time. So pandiculation is really cool because when you're yawning, you're doing a lot of there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of stuff expanding. You know, when you yawn without thinking to yawn, um, you're involuntarily stretching as you're yawning. So if you can like find big yawns and, and, and moving around. So I do a lot of penticulation. I'm out here. I'm out here. I am yawning. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my partner and I do Kundalini together, but we do it in a really, we do it really light. So Kundalini yoga has a lot of really intense breathing techniques in it so we try just to do a couple of little ones every day and you know i also sing every day so i do a full singing warm-up every day that includes breathing and yawning and sighing and usually sometime in the day i do at least three surya namaskar um sun salutations i do them really insanely slowly which is how i teach them as well and i hold each position for a long time and i get really really technique focused really strength focused Yeah. And I teach I teach to my partner in person often and his brother and anyone who comes over. And so that's its own kind of practice is teaching. And I think the most important part of these kinds of like active practices every day. I mean, I try to do all of those things. And honestly, none of that takes terribly long. Um, But Mm -hmm. I just like to remind myself that I have a body I like to ask it what it's feeling, how it is working today. And to remind me, you know, it reminds me to continue collaborating and participating with it throughout the day so that if I do go hiking or to shoot the hoops upon the basketball, (laughs) upon the b-ball court, that, like, I know where my body's at that day. I'm not just going to, like, roll out and and shoot the hoops without knowing, without knowing, you know, I just want to feel ready to do the larger things if it strikes me to do them, you know, or if, or if I have, or if I'm lucky enough to have the opportunity to have somebody ask me to go out on a hike or something like that. I was going to say skiing, but it's summer and I've never been skiing.
0: I love that that's your example, this thing you've never done once in your life. (laughs) Well, it's like,
1: that's the thing is like, I think my practices have given me the ability to have the humility to start really, really small on Mm -hmm. anything. Cause like if like the, the bar is low. If I can yawn and tap my skin every day, I've done my, my, wrecked. you know, if I can listen to myself, I can listen to myself even in situations where, oh, it actually might be really fucking scary to ski. People have died doing this. Like, um, yeah. And I think that one of the things is that like, I live currently live near the woods, as you know, and there, there's a state park near me. And one of the things that I've learned most of all is that like, If I'm not on top of some of my body awareness practices and I go out for a hike, I'm just worse at it because I'm not noticing the things that are coming up under my feet. My senses are working differently and I'm more likely to get hurt, honestly. And so I think that I like the idea of readying the body for whatever is to come and that it's not necessarily an exercise routine and that like the part that is exercise can come in naturally because maybe you'll feel like you want to, you Mm -hmm. know, instead of being like, I'm going for a run. I'm going <laughs>
0: to No this is my favorite thing about your about your classes and just your methodology and this is my favorite thing to tell people when I invite them to join me for for one of your movement classes is like you tell people they can do one of your movement meditations, one of your donation-based movement classes from bed if they need to. You tell people like yeah. you can just show up and be in your body and this isn't like a fitness routine. And you know, mm-hmm. f- for someone with my like mental health history, that's really attractive because it can get me to show up without like mm-hmm. avoiding because I have all of this anxiety laying over it. Cause yeah. it's like a fitness class. And so I love that. I have that. been there. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I mean I've been I've been like super depressed and not even able to do like a fucking um like maybe I'll be doing a cool a cool Pilates class over Zoom and then I won't even be able to do it. I remember one day during the winter I was just going through a rough time because we're all going through rough times right now like it's it's tough it's hard you know we've all had a a whole lot of isolation it's even more intimidating to show it's even intimidating to show up to something online it's even intimidating to turn on the Pilates video with the lady who who is wearing the leggings you know (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's it's all very it all can be there are days where all of that kind of stuff is so intimidating um to me and I, I really wanted to create a really inclusive practice where, yeah, you could turn your camera off and lay there and just listen to my voice and think about your body because my work is about a relationship between the mind and the body. And if your body is not participating today, that's okay. You can still do a practice because you're going to think about your body and that that's enough. That's Okay. You know, and just to lay there and be with yourself is just as much of a movement skill to be able to move within yourself in that way is just as, it's extremely powerful in fact, to validate yourself for for like, for like showing up in that way. Like not everything has to be so fucking macho and hardcore. My parents were gym teachers, I get it, it's cool. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. Yeah. it isn't. But like all I, you know, my whole life I just watched athletes sort of breaking themselves And it's not recovering well. I know it sucks. Like, like I know, like I've just watched a lot of really incredible athletes just sort of break themselves because they, they aren't taught to recover or that's not a part of their practice. I mean, I remember one time my Pilates teacher telling me a lot of, athletes used to get sent to Pilates after an injury and Pilates felt like, like oh this qu- sort of like sissy remedial kind of thing but then they would leave feeling so much stronger and that they knew their bodies so much better and that they knew their mind muscle connections and they had these smaller muscles working from inside to support those uh, those broad muscle movements that they do for their sport so I think that that's it's really it was really insightful when she told me that I was just like oh man yeah yeah because I had been doing Pilates for a while at that point and i felt so strong i'd I'd never felt stronger from within in this sort of like really understanding where each muscle was and what's used to do what and all of that kind of stuff it is insane that professional athletes aren't in yoga and pilates just as often as they're in like training to do the thing they do because they'd be so much better at it they'd have some longevity i think everybody deserves to have some longevity the body ages to not be able to listen to it is just to run on the blueprint of like what it was like when I was 16 and I was going to, you know, do a back handspring. No, Athena, don't do that. You are 36. Don't do the trick the way you did it then you do it the way you do it now, you know, because you have different hands. Now your joints are different. Now you've been through the COVID years now, (laughs) or like you are, you know, you've changed. And I think, that the practice that I want to give to people is to respect those changes, to understand that it ebbs and flows every single day. There are days where you're going to like feel on top of the world, like feel on top of the world and feel really strong and feel able to do things. And there are other days where you're going to have the bravery to listen to your body. And maybe it feels that it's not responding. Maybe parts of it are feeling numb. but to know that and to have a relationship even with that is it's really powerful.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's certainly been powerful for me, and I I really hope some of the people listening will be inspired to to join us in a in a class because I was just I don't know I really appreciated the moment where we talked about how it's actually not just film actors this Zoom culture this social media culture this world we are living in for all kinds of artists yeah. all kinds of humans can feel very disconnected and can make us yeah. disconnect our mind from our bodies.
1: Yeah, thinking about yourself from the outside is, is, is madness. It's a, it's really maddening to try to um, think about yourself from the outside. Cause like a pic- your reflection in the mirror, isn't you, the the picture of you on zoom, isn't you like you are the thing that's feeling from the inside. And it's amazing to me. It's sad to me how, how how often like people can forget that it's very apparent. Yeah. Um, but this is much needed work being able to know what you need and be able to listen to yourself instead of listening to the perceived eyes from the outside,
0: you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, exactly, exactly. It's like beneficial to all. I mean, working as a model, obviously, both of us have experience of seeing ourselves from the outside way too much. But I think that it's just because of the time in history we're in, it's so much more than models. So so many more. Yeah, it's
1: everyone. It doesn't everyone's having the same. Yeah, everyone's having the same experience. It's just like when you're a model, somebody is doing your hair real good. So at least there's that like when I was right, you know, it's (gasps) like, well, at least there's somebody to figure out like to where to where to put the outfit like, like where to angle alone. the camera
0: so you yeah, look the exactly. best like yeah
1: you're gonna take care of that one weird hair yeah That's
0: all of my really hairs are
1: point. weird hair yeah it's,
0: it's not worth it <laughs> So um, I'm really, really excited to link your reading list and also read it uh, as well as link to your link to the Body Abstract website so people can see like your blog about movement and philosophy of movement as well as sign up for classes. Um, Yeah. Is there anywhere else that people can support your art, Athena?
1: Yes. So I would ask that. Uh, you go to thebodyabstract.com and definitely sign up for the newsletter because I am in the middle of moving and I'm not sure how consistently my classes will be up, but the more people I can get on the newsletter, the more when I know like a full month schedule that I can send that along. Awesome. Um, And I, you know, if you're, if you've been interested in, in what I've been saying, oh, also I, I put a thing, everybody who signs up for the newsletter, I can give you a 15 minute like talk where we can talk about like your concerns and stuff so that I know if you're coming to classes that I can get to know you a little better. So if you sign up for the newsletter, we can schedule a time together to talk. That's amazing. Um, for, like, I, I didn't know even like know you were doing and... that. Yeah. Yeah. I just really want to get to know the people who are interested and like answer a few questions about um, what I do just to get people comfortable and also just to get a bit of data on each person. Like, so that I know mm-hmm. like, Oh, you know, Grace is working on like chest opening stuff and strengthening her shoulders. And so And, you know, I can have a map of everyone because I've got a great memory. I just need need the data. Um, So I need I I would love it if people could sign up and then and then I'll email you and we'll work out a we'll work out a day. Um, I also say, yeah, my social media, you can talk to me on Twitter. I'm Sane Athena. Um, And I always forget that that's my Twitter name. And I really it's very good. And uh, my Instagram, you can check out some of my work. I've been doing a lot of music lately. Um, and I'm excited about that. And my so my Instagram is Athena themselves. And um, if you want to check out just my performance work and my music is on this website too. And and my film work and my creative writing and podcasting and stuff like that. Uh, you can just go to AthenaReady.com. And there's a newsletter there too. So if you want to sign up for that, that would be amazing because then you'll find out first when my films come out or it, like if I'm on the TV or if I'm going to play a live show and. That sort of thing. So I would love it. I would just love it if people went to my newsletters and I had a newsletter uh, uh, list.
0: (laughs) Well, the the art life is back to, (laughs) to releasing newsletters as well. I've just gotten back in the swing of it. So I'm really enjoying writing them and I'm really enjoying reading yours. So I'm excited yeah. for, for your circle I'm, to expand. I want, I want to see
1: everyone at class. Like I, I, I would love to share this. And if you're interested in what I've been saying and you want to go a little deeper, I'll, I'll definitely make that reading list. And I will also um, suggest for you to read my blog on my movement site because I, I really go deeper into some of these perspectives and ideas. And I even have two that are vlogs. So if you just want to like, put that on and listen, um, that's cool. That's cool if you want to learn.
0: Well, thank you so much for all of the ways that you've helped me. I mean, your movement classes, your, your movement coaching on set, and just all of our conversations over the years have been so beneficial. So I'm just glad that I can hopefully uh, pay that forward to some of our listeners and get them connected to you. I guess just to wrap it up, I have to ask you, um, what is the art life? <laughs>
1: Going to play b ball.
0: Oh my god! My of song. course, you, my did song. you have
1: that ready? Did you pull that? Oh, no, it's you, just you been on you the ready to the go. You're you so it, It's funny. like it's my new accessory. It's just my. Go to Athena's
0: movement classes and you can be a hilarious comedian just like Athena. <laughs> you can have and excellent comedic timing and use an and egg shaker. the yes.
1: <laughs> egg shaker vibe. Um, by the way, it has a little face painted on it. And mm-hmm. um, what you know, the question is, what is the art life? The art life <laughs> is b-ball shooting hoops and finding the flow. Shooting hoops, finding the flow, flow letting it free. I would like to say also, I am not good at shooting hoops.
0: I just like it. (laughs) I think that's the perfect thing to end on because so much of this (laughs) is about, no, it really is. I know you're being silly, but it's serious because so much of this is about just showing up and having fun and being in your body, not trying to do everything perfectly and make everything look good on the outside.
1: I haven't shot hoops in a long time because there was this lady at the park. And she was watching me shoot hoops. And I live in like a really isolated area. So it's not like being in the city where like, yeah, people might be watching, but there's a lot of people around. And so it's kind of okay. (laughs) But like, it's like a, it's like a really quiet park. Nobody's there. It's like midday. It's just, I'm, and some lady just has her dog and she's watching me shoot hoops. And I didn't realize she was there until I left the court and I was like, walked to my car and she's like, it's just so great to see somebody doing something that they like to do. And I was like thank you. <laughs> but it's like, it was, it was just so funny. I, I think it was the highlight of her day to see somebody like flailing around, possibly failing at shooting. hoops. But I haven't been in a while
0: because what if she's there? <laughs> so, um... well, okay. Well, we're good. We're good. Uh, okay. We're good. We're good. The art life is, is shooting hoops, having fun, shooting shaking hoops. the egg shaker, having fun,
1: <laughs> having fun. I mean, it was nice. She was, she, she was all well-intentioned. It was just like the beginning of a horror movie because where I live is the middle of a scary woods. Like it's not like it's, it, nothing feels friendly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't want you here. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and for getting into the details of all of this with our listeners. I'm, I'm really grateful. And I, I hope to, to see some familiar faces on a movement class online soon.
1: That would be so much fun. Yes. And I hope to meet everyone. And thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Uh, Until you are here in L.A. with me from my side of the world, I wish you a good afternoon. (laughs) But soon we'll be in the same time
1: zone, baby. Yeah. and, And maybe I'll be teaching classes in person,
0: too. Yay. All right. Bye. Bye. This is The Art Life. You can read more and subscribe to our newsletter at www theartlife.show or send letters to The Art Life Care of Grace Gordon P.O. Box number 1193 Hollywood, California 90078 You can email us at theartlifeshow at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Art Life Show Our theme music is The Stream by Rory Thank you for being part of The Art Life